Good morning, everyone. It's time to begin a worship service this morning. It's good to see the sunshine out there this morning. I woke up and opened the curtain, and that come in, and I jumped, scared me to death. I didn't know what the sun was. Sure is beautiful. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're certainly glad to have you as our guest, and we invite you back this evening for 6 o'clock services. Also, we have cards in the back of the pews, if you could fill them out uh, and uh, stick around. We'd love to get to talk to you and get to know you. Also, it's good to have Jerry and Dolores Pittman with us this morning, Dana Edwards, and... Uh, Davaline Petticord. I always have a hard time saying that, and I always just want to say Tanya's mom, Tanya Ward's mom. It's good, good to have all of you all here, and if I'm missing anyone, I'm sorry. Also, it's good to see the uh, people back from church camp. I was talking to Dave this morning, and Steeler last night, they had a, uh, had a great camp. Uh, he said about 30 from Rome uh, was there, which that's a great number. They had four baptisms, and uh, Jenna Picklesheimer was baptized, and uh, we're really thrilled to hear that, and be sure to holler at Jenna after service. Also, we have people traveling. We certainly want to remember that uh, this time of year. We always have a lot of people on the road, and, and uh, we want to remember them. And, and then the people that was mentioned in Bible class this morning, there's so many names and so many battling sicknesses and cancers and taking treatments, and uh, we certainly want to remember them in our prayers. And, and uh, Rod Dunphy's mom, uh, Jenny Maynard, uh, she is not feeling good at the time, and uh, Rod and Angie's with her, and uh, we want to keep her in our prayers. And I know there's many others that, that we don't know about, so... Let's remember them, and as we begin our uh, service this morning, I'd like to read uh, from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in bond and peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I like this, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Pray with me as we go to God in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this beautiful morning you've given us, and, and Father, for the rain that, that, that we have needed, and, and, and uh, we're just so thankful for all the blessing that you give us, Lord. And, but we are mindful of those who are hurting and those who were mentioned uh, this morning and others, Father, who are in our bulletin and and we just pray a special prayer for them and for all those who are taking treatments and, and just whatever type of sickness and those who's lost loved ones, we pray blessings on them. And, 
And Father, we're always mindful of those who are, are spiritually sick. Uh, we pray, God, if we can make a difference in, the, in their lives, uh, Father, we pray that we'll take that opportunity to do so. We're so thankful that you was with the, uh, the group at camp this past week. We're thankful for those uh, who uh, were baptized, and, and, and we pray for Jenna, Father, as she starts her walk with you, and, and uh, that she just always knows that she can look to you for guidance. And, and Father, we're just thankful for all that we have, and, and we realize that everything we have comes from you. We ask that you'll be with Chris this morning as he brings us another lesson. Help us, Father, to focus uh, on your words. Uh, Father, we know that, uh, that you are the only way. Uh, we know that uh, Jesus is the truth and the life. And Father, we just ask that you'll help us to serve him in a way that you would have us to. Forgive us when we fall short. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand for the first song, please? First hymn this morning, <clears throat> number 585, Soldiers of Christ Arise. <clears throat> Excuse me. One of those mornings, probably. <clears throat> Soldiers of Christ Arise, and words will strong in the strength with Please be seated. <clears throat> Next hymn this morning, number 707, To Christ Be Loyal and Be True, 707. And after this hymn, Brother Mike Williams will have our scripture reading and prayer. Sing the first three verses. To Christ be Oh! 
Scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, as we approach you this morning, Lord, we are thankful, Father, for the beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for, thankful for all the many blessings, Father, that you give us each and every day, individually and, and personally, as well as here at your church at Rome. We thank you for each member, for the visitors that we have here this morning. And Father, we're thankful for those that uh, were at church camp last week, for giving us a good week to to grow closer to you without the distractions of the world and thankful for safe travels home and we ask your blessings upon uh, the upcoming mission trip to Waverly, Tennessee, Father, just be with that work that we can be a uh, be uplifting and, and uh, an encouragement to that area, to that congregation and the people in that area and, and Father, we are uh, just thankful for all that you do for us. We thankful, thank you for your son Jesus, for your grace and your mercy that we don't deserve, Father, and we thank you for just all the, uh, the activities that we have coming up and just ask your blessings upon each of them. Just ask that we look for opportunities to, to get involved, to, to find our place, Father, to, to grow closer to you and to each other and, and use those activities to help, help us in those endeavors and that we can be an encouragement to this area around us as well, Father, teaching more people about you and bringing more people to, to know you. Father, we are mindful of so many that are struggling with various health issues and so many names that are listed in our, uh, our journal. We just ask your blessings upon each of them, Father, and be with uh, those that are dealing with cancer. We just continue to pray for Jennifer. She continues her treatments and Jim Haney and, and be with uh, Sandy Galloway as she begins her radiation tomorrow. Just pray that things go well with it and continue to be with uh, Chad Judge's mom and and so many others, Father. There's, there's just so many that are dealing with various issues. And just uh, 
thankful that we can, can bring those names to you and, and you know each of their needs. And, and uh, we thank you for that, Father. And just continue to be with us this morning, be with our time here as we surround the table shortly and as Chris brings us to lesson that we will clear our minds of all distractions and place them solely on you Father and, and use this time to uh, just to give you the glory that you deserve Father. Father we uh, know that we fall short so often and, and uh, mess up and, and we just ask that you forgive us when we do so Lord and it's through Jesus Christ we do pray all these things. Amen. Next hymn this morning, number 769, Why Should He Love Me So? 769. <clears throat> Good morning. I think it's an interesting perspective. Perspective is an interesting thing. Um, as we look at things from different angles, you know, you watch a football game, you get all the different camera angles or a baseball game or wherever the perspective is, 
sometimes things can seem a little more intense than they are or not as intense as, as they are. Boy, we didn't know at the time, but that was a very important thing that happened. You know, how many times have you said that, looking back on time, that something was really important, but at the time you didn't think it was? Or you look back and think, boy, we thought things were really bad then. You know, they're really bad now. Um, and I want us to kind of, as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper and remember Jesus and his sacrifice, to think about uh, the perspective as we kind of go through our daily lives. Um, you know, as you read the news or watch the news, um, I encourage you not to watch as much news as you do, but, uh, <laughs> you know, and as some of, you know, we live the news and being involved in, in things that are going on in our world, it, it can be very um, stressful, um, can be something that, um, you know, we think things are really bad or things are very uh, tumultuous. Well, if you think about it, when Jesus came to the earth, things could not have been more tumultuous, nor have they quite ever been. Uh, Jesus came into the uh, Roman Empire at a time when the Jewish people were, you know, subject to the Roman Empire. And everything, you know, when they would wake up every morning, it was how do we get out of this oppression from the Roman Empire? And Jesus comes into this and becomes an adult and starts his ministry. And one of those times that Jesus, as he's beginning his ministry, is when he feeds the 5,000. And we've all have heard the story of Jesus and the little boy that had five loaves and two fishes, and he was able to feed 5,000 men. And, you know, it's a great vacation Bible school story. It's a really amazing miracle that Jesus does. But in this climate, to these folks who were being fed, it was a couple of things. One, they were being fed. But number two, was this their... Uh, political savior. Jesus recognized this in John chapter 6, verse 15. Then Jesus, this is after the feeding, then Jesus, because he knew they were going to come and seize him by force to make him king, he withdrew and again, uh, withdrew again up the mountainside alone, uh, reading on. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake got into a boat, and started to cross the lake to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. By now a strong wind was blowing, and the sea was getting rough. Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, they caught sight of Jesus walking on the lake, approaching the boat. And they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat came to the land where they had been heading. Verse 22. The next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the lake realized that only one small boat had been there and that Jesus had not boarded it with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. But some boats from Tiberias came to shore near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, where did, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the solemn truth. You are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate all the loaves of the bread you wanted. Do not work for the food that disappears, but for the food that remains to eternal life, the food which the Son of Man will give you. 
for God the Father has put his seal of approval on him. So then they said to him, what must we do to accomplish the deeds God requires? Jesus replied, this is the deed God requires, to believe in the one who sent him, or the one whom he sent. So they said to him, this, then what miraculous sign will you perform so that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus told them, I tell you the solemn truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but my Father is giving you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said to him, Sir, give us this bread all the time. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never go hungry, and the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. On the first day of the week, we are privileged to partake of this bread of life as a symbol as we partake this Lord's Supper each and every week. And today we are here and we gather together and it, it, we have just a good crowd of, of people and friends and family here and it's, it's an honor to do this. But I hope that we can do it with perspective, understanding that Jesus, as, as um, if we'd flip over real quick to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 11, I'm sorry. In Hebrews chapter 11, nope, maybe it is Hebrews chapter 12, sorry. <laughs> I've forgotten what verse it is, I apologize. But Jesus is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. And Jesus was the same when he was speaking um, to the 5,000 when he was walking on the water. And he is the same to us today, even though we have a different perspective. And we have the ability to partake in that bread of life. And that is what our uh, privilege as Christians is today to be able to do. So let's pray as we bless the bread. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this beautiful day. We thank you for the sun. We thank you for the warm air. And we thank you for the summer. We pray that you will be with us today as we worship you. We pray, pray that we will worship you in truth and in spirit. It will be pleasing unto you. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to remember him. We thank you for this ceremony. We thank you for the bread of life that he gave. And we thank you for the sacrifice that he gave for our sins. Lord, we pray that you'll bless this bread as we now partake of it. And it's through his name we pray. Amen. Before we uh, partake of the fruit of the vine, it's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. I apologize. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Let's give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Dear God, we again come before you thanking you for this fruit of the vine, which represents Jesus' blood as he died for us on the cross. We pray that it will be 
partaken in a way that is pleasing unto you, and we thank you again for Jesus' sacrifice, and it's through his name we pray. Amen. Now we turn to our offering. Uh, turn back a couple of chapters there in Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, known as the faith chapter. It mentions a lot of uh, you know, heroes of faith. And I thought it was interesting, one of the heroes um, that is mentioned by the Hebrew writer in chapter 11, verse 4, is Abel. And it talks about Abel's offering. And before we uh, bless the offering, I'd like to read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered God a greater sacrifice than Cain, and through his faith he was commended as righteous, because God commended him for his offerings. And, though his and through his faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the many, many blessings you give to us each and every day. We thank you for the opportunity to come here, Lord. We pray that you will bless the offering that is given today. We pray that you will um, be with us and continue to watch over us. Now continue to watch us, uh, watch over us as we uh, continue the worship today, and we pray that we'll do so in a way that is pleasing unto you and is uplifting to others. Forgive us when we fall short of that, Lord, and it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 671. There's a royal banner. 671. And so at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. There's a royal banner given for display to the soldiers of the king. As in his own hair, we lift it up today, while his ransom ones we sing. Marching on, marching on, for Christ has everything but all, and to come Make the glorious God. 
Please see it. Invitation hymn for this morning, number 587. 587. Soul of Savior, thou art needing. At this time, Brother Christian, be up here in a minute. having some technical issues. <laughs> I wanted to be able to provide you with an update for, from our Scotland trip. So I'm hoping to be able to show you pictures and we have lots of pictures, but I'm having troubles getting into our PowerPoint. So hopefully that will be coming in just a minute. But in the meantime, I just wanted to tell you about it for a second. We, uh, this last summer, went had the opportunity to go to Scotland. We took 13 from our congregation here to go and it was a fantastic trip. We support a, uh, a missionary in Scotland. His name's John Galloway. He's been there for a little over 30 years, I think, now. Uh, and he's actually looking forward to retirement in the next five, seven, eight years, I guess. The plans are not to leave. Uh, we asked John, you know, what are you going to do when you retire? And he said, well, I'm just going to stay here. I just don't get paid to do it. <laughs> so uh, his plan is to stay in Scotland uh, and continue on the work. He has a co-worker now. The, uh, the congregation in Scotland has merged. Um, so this time, last year, they were around 15 or 20 members or so. Church in Scotland struggles. Um, there are several of them throughout the, uh, throughout the island, uh, but they're all small, and they're, and they're getting older. And so um, new blood is a necessity in the church, um, evangelism is a necessity in the church, and COVID shut down a lot of that. They were very strict with uh, the COVID uh, with the COVID laws and all the things that were going on in Britain, and so that uh, the church took a hit because of that. And so uh, they ended up with somewhere around fifteen or twenty members this time last year. And there was a congregation in, uh, right down the road in the little city we worked in called East Kilbride. Uh, it's a suburb of, of Glasgow, um, but they, uh, these two congregations combined. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Can't cut my thumb off. Uh, sorry, fingerprint recognition. Um, so these two congregations combined, uh, and now they're a congregation of around 40 to 50 members, and so they're doing pretty well. Uh, this means the congregation combining means that uh, Al, uh, that uh, John now has a co-worker. His name's Alec. Alec is a fantastic man as well, a fantastic missionary. Um, but he also is older. He's in his 70s. And so he's looking at retirement right now. And in fact, he's in the States right now. Um, he's in uh, the South and, and Alabama looking for his replacement right now. And so the, uh, the work continues in Scotland. It's, it's, it's a hard road. Um, the people there uh, are um, quite resistant to the gospel. Um, it's, it's America 50 years from now. It's kind of how they, they portray it. And I think that's probably true. Uh, Scotland is a wealthy nation, much like we are. Um, they are not struggling for money. Uh, the people are fairly content. And so they look around and they say, well, what need do I have of God? You say, well, you've got it good in this life, but we're not so much concerned with this life, are we? We're looking forward to the next life, but when you have an extravagance here, it's much more difficult to think of the hereafter, isn't it? And so 
one of the things that we tried to do while we were there was to get across to people uh, in, in mass. Be thinking about these things. You know, there, there's, there's opportunities here. And so one of the big things that we did while we were in Scotland was hand out invitations. And so we canvassed uh, a good bit of East Kilbride. We, uh, they have letter boxes. If you remember from like the 50s and 60s in America, uh, you remember those, those little slots, the mailbox slots that were in our doors? Uh, and, you know, mail would come through there. They still have those. And it's legal over there to put mail in those little slots. And so uh, that's what we did. We would walk around putting invitations in those, those mailbox slots. And uh, we woke up in the mornings and uh, we would eat breakfast. And then we would start uh, walking around doing the, the mailbox, um, putting the invitations in the mailboxes. We'd meet back at the, at the building every day for lunch. And then we'd go back out and do more uh, invitations in that way. At night, we would have a, uh, a gospel meeting. They had this fantastic speaker. He's a Scot. His name's Ian Starr. Uh, and he is just a fantastic individual, a great gospel preacher. And uh, he was a blessing to the congregation there and to our group as well. I think we all really grew to love him and appreciate his work and his knowledge of Scripture. And so uh, he would present the gospel each night. Uh, and the first night, they had a, a very large crowd. I'll show you the picture in just a minute. But they had a very large crowd, uh, and they were very excited. The cool thing about this was, this was the very first fellowship meal that they had had since COVID. Do you remember our first fellowship meal? How exciting it was, how we were all like, yes, this is, this is the way it's supposed to feel. And you got to talk to each other and eat with each other and be around everybody. And we were all just all so excited. That's exactly the way that they felt. They were just so excited to be able to be back together. Uh, and they were even, some folks from around the other Scottish churches, they were from all the way up north and uh, all the way down south. They, they had kind of converged and they had representatives from, from several different congregations there each night. Uh, but that first night we had just several visitors and they were very excited. And so some of the things that we had done that week were, were helpful for the congregation, we made a ton of contacts. One of the things you'll find in short-term missions is it benefits the missionary while you're there. We'll talk about the other side of that coin in just a second. But it benefits the missionary while you're there. A lot of folks say, well, uh, it costs us around $1,300 per person to go to Scotland. A lot of folks say, well, wouldn't that money be better spent going next door? Okay, not an invalid argument, right? Do you go next door? Do you, do you go teach the you know, people that you know and love, your family, the people next door, your neighbors, the ones around you? Are you going to teach them? A lot of times I've found that the people that say, well, go next door. Wouldn't that money be better spent next door? They're not going next door. The cool thing about short-term mission work is you go on it, just try it once. This is my invitation to you. Just try it once. Go on one trip and it changes you. Something inside of you changes in the middle of a short-term mission trip. Um, but when you come back, you are much more passionate and you are ready to go next door. And so that's $1,300 well spent every single day, in my opinion. If one trip, a little over $1,000, can provide you with that passion and that knowledge so that you come back here and go reach out, it's $1,300 well spent. Amen? Like that makes sense. Um, 
it's hard for us sometimes to see the forest for the trees. We don't always think like that. But you go overseas and you start seeing the gospel through someone else's lens, through another culture's lens, and it becomes more vibrant. More things click for you. You begin to understand the significance of what you may have grown up understanding, may have grown up hearing. You go on one trip and it begins to change everything. We'll talk more about that in just a second, but it also helps the missionary. Uh, John and Alec and the congregation there, like I said, they're tops, they're, they're 50, 55 members. They could not have canvassed everything that we canvassed. Like I said, they're getting older. Um, they all have uh, full-time jobs, obviously, uh, just like we do. And so they could not have canvassed the area that we canvassed in six months. How long would it have taken them to canvass this, this big of an area had we not been there? Alec and um, John would not have been able to do as much as we did by themselves. And so our presence helped them as well. So there, there's a benefit to the indigenous missionaries. There's an benefit to the, to the congregation that you're going to visit. I can't tell you how many times people just walk up to us and hug us. I'm so, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, we had some of the best conversations. We made some of the best friends. So many of these people were just so excited to see us, to get to know us, to hear our stories, and us hear their stories. Um, just making those connections, making those relationships, I think was uh, a rejuvenation, uh, was rejuvenating for the congregation there. They were so excited to see us. And so that's another benefit uh, for short-term mission work. Um, but it does change you. It, it realigns your mind. Um, it, it helps you focus. It helps you see things through a lens that you've never seen them before. If you've never gone on a short-term mission trip, I highly encourage you to go on with us. Uh, we've got a couple more coming up. Uh, we've got a disaster relief trip that's coming up in Waverly later this month, July 17th through the 20th. That's a Sunday through Wednesday. Uh, and I'll tell you more about that if you're interested in that. That's a great thing to go on as well. We've got a, a Peru mission trip coming up later on uh, this year. Or sorry, later on next year. Um, haha! Good job, guys. All right, so Scotland, back on track. Uh, we flew over there. We started off in Charleston. Kind of back up and tell you some of the some of the background that I missed earlier. Thank you. You guys are magicians. <laughs> Something like that. Um, so we started off in Charleston, and we flew uh, from Charleston uh, to Atlanta, and from Atlanta to uh, Amsterdam, and then from Amsterdam into Glasgow. And John picked us up in Glasgow at the airport there and drove us uh, to the church, church building, where we met our friends, our new friends. These are uh, our, our group with their, uh, with their host families. This is Alec. John's co-worker, the guy that's retiring later on in a couple of years, and his wife, Jillian, Gillian, um, they are fantastic. Uh, you would love Alec. You would love John. But Alec is, is an awesome guy, too. He's very personable. Uh, he's very laid back. You would, you would really appreciate his personality and his love for the Lord. Um, but I know Christy and Marvin had a fantastic time staying with them. Uh, oh, man, tell me. This is why you don't get away from your notes. Um, let's see. 
This is the lady that, uh, that Jennifer and Libby stayed with. Let's see. Kathy Ferry. I was getting to it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Kathy Ferry. Uh, she is fantastic as well, and they can tell you all kinds of great stories about her and her dogs and all the good things that, that she's involved with. You guys should go and ask our people to tell you about Scotland. If you haven't already, say go, go up and ask them about some of these pictures of the congregation and what we did there um, and, and all the, the things that they remember. Now, we're a month out now, so uh, all the things that they're saying now are going to be the things that stick for a good long time, I would imagine. This is Isabel Ferguson. She, uh, she lives in Glasgow, so Mandy, uh, Mandy and uh, Thomas stayed with her. She was the farthest one away, uh, so they, had, they, they stayed with her and had a good time with her. This is uh, John and uh, Arlene Galloway. You're familiar with them, of course. They were here just uh, right before we left, and so this is uh, the group of us that stayed with them. And John's a gourmet cook, so next time uh, you go to Scotland, you have to stay with John and Arlene and allow him to, to fix you some of the amazing Scottish food. Haggis is not as bad as you've heard. Um, so it's, it's really quite good. This is Beatrice. Uh, so Mally and Katie got to stay with her, uh, and, and she's just kind of a fantastic lady too, and I know they encouraged her. She just lost her husband last year uh, and is still struggling from that. And so uh, whenever you come into these trips, you come into people's context, right? And so just think if someone were to come do a mission trip to Rome, and they got Uh, and we delivered them around the, the city. It's just tons of walking, but it's a good thing. This is our bus we drove in uh, every day uh, that week. And they would drop us off in various parts of the city, and we would just kind of canvas that area uh, and go through that. Mike did a fantastic job teaching class Sunday uh, morning, and this is uh, Evan uh, doing a great job reading Scripture for them. They allowed me to preach, and so that was uh, really fun for me too. Then uh, Sunday afternoon, we went back out to do some more letterboxing. Uh, you see Thomas here doing some letterboxing, and uh, Mike, and uh, huh. this is my buddy. What's his name? George. There it is. Dang it. So this is George and his wife. The first day we door knocked uh, George's community, he said, come over here. And, and some of our people had already... Uh, letterboxed his wife <laughs> and so he said hey come you want some water or whatever and we got water and we got to take a break and we got to talk to her so much of the stuff in short-term mission trips especially for this trip was encouraging the congregation getting to know them loving them uh, encouraging them because they have a difficult work and they've been at it for a long time so um, we I hope I think uh, that our group was an infusion of excitement and enthusiasm for them and uh, George and his wife are just very sweet, dear people. Um, George is, I wish you could see George. I wish you could walk a block with George because George was outpacing me. I've, I've done this work before. I've done this work for a long time. I've door knocked in several different countries. and So I, I'm old hat at this. Um, but George was outpacing me and I was breathing hard trying to catch up with George doing letterboxing. And I said, George, 
this is a lot of walking. He said, oh, it's okay. You know, and he was very kind about it. Uh, comes out, come to find out George is 83 years old. And he's still out there doing this work uh, as often as he can do it. And it's just a fantastic, I was fantastic man. I was very impressed with George. Uh, this is Ian, well, this is Ian Starr. He is the, uh, the gospel preacher uh, that did the, uh, the nightly uh, gospel meeting for us. And so Sunday night, this is when the, the meeting started there, and they had this good-sized crowd for, for them, for their building. They had, uh, I would say, 50, 60 people there, and that was, that was a good crowd for them. They were very uh, encouraged by, by that. We got to meet several people from the community, several folks from the, from the surrounding congregation, had good uh, talks with them. We got to eat with them. They had a, uh, a little uh, snack area set up for after the meeting, and so we, it allowed us the opportunity to, to sit down and talk to some of these people in a very helpful way. Uh, we went to, uh, to see uh, some, uh, some sightseeing stuff while we were there. So this is uh, James V's castle. It's called Sterling Castle. It's awesome. It's beautiful. If you ever go, you should go see it. Um, the bridge at the bottom is the bridge that uh, William Wallace fought over in Braveheart. This is the actual story. The English were trying to come across the bridge, and he allows a portion of them to cross the bridge. He destroys the bridge, kills the army that's on this side, and then uh, sends in his reinforcements to, to rout the ones that are on the back end, and he wins the day, uh, saving Sterling Castle. This is his monument that's uh, it's been up for several hundred years, the William Wallace Memorial. Um, you can go up it, and that's, that's a picture of uh, Marvin and, and Evan and I on top of the, the William Wallace Memorial. Um, you can see everything from up there. There's, there's um, uh, pictures of what Scotland would have looked like in William Wallace's day. But this is on top of a very large hill. It looks, uh, it looks over on the Stirling Castle, the bridge that was there. This is where William Wallace generaled his, his forces uh, from this spot. Our, uh, our plane ride back, uh, ask our group, and this will be one of the things that they tell you, that this was a very long flight back. There's nothing like uh, mission trip tired. And I kept saying that to several of our folks. And, uh, I'm tired right now from camp. My mind's not working as quickly as it normally does, but there's nothing like mission trip tired. It's a good tire, but it is an exhaustion that you just you just need to feel it to be able to appreciate it. But it was a it was a very good trip. Uh, we flew out of Amsterdam and finally made it back to West Virginia. There's some things that you need to think through uh, as you are thinking about going on these next mission trips, and maybe you've got some questions um, that uh, that I can help answer for you, or that some of our uh, folks can help answer for you. Um, short-term mission work does open your eyes to the needs are, uh, more than the needs around you. Sometimes we get so focused on what's going on around us, we can't we can't see um, what's going on in the world at large. Short-term missions help you figure out some of those things, help you see how other cultures react to the gospel, but it also gives you a passion for evangelism. Um, I can't tell you how many times we've been on these trips and the folks that we've we've come back with from those trips, go back to their congregation, and they breathe new life into that church. Uh, there's new passion. There's new excitement. There's new evangelistic fervor. Uh, we've seen that from our group here, um, but it's that's just how short-term mission work works. Uh, if you go, you come back revitalized, re-energized, and ready to hit the ground running. 
The funny thing about this is one of the things that um, uh, people will say, well, why do short-term mission trips? Well, one of the things that, one of the reasons we do this is because we do things there that no one else can do while we're there. Um, your accent, uh, sometimes your skin color, uh, the way that you walk will indicate to the indigenous people that you're not from around there. Did you know that people can tell you as an American just by the way you walk, just by the way you sit, by the clothes that you wear, people know that you're an American. I uh, have only ever been to New Zealand. It's the only other first world country I've ever been to. Uh, and, but in Scotland, uh, one the, on the last day we were there uh, doing uh, evangelism, they said, well, we're going to go to the mall, and we're just going to sit around, and people are going to come talk to us, and you'll have an opportunity to share the truth with them. And so we thought, okay, well, how's that going to work? Because they're just going to come to us? They said, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. They're just going to come to you. And they did. Uh, several of us would just sit on, on a bench, and they would, people would come up and say, well, what are you doing here? <laughs> what, what, you, you just sightseeing and say, no, no, not, not just sightseeing. I'm here to build up the church. I'm here um, because you guys need to think more about Jesus. You need to, you need to come to salvation. We had these opportunities to have these really good conversations uh, with these folks who need to think through this, that we are not sufficient in and of ourselves, that this life is not all there is, that there's more coming, that there's eternity coming, and that their souls are at stake. $1,300 do that, does that. It's money well spent, right? This is a good, good thing. Um, and so we had the opportunity to go to Scotland. We've got some more stuff coming up. Like I said, uh, July 17th through the 20th, uh, it's just, um, what's today? That's next week, right? Um, somebody check me on that. But I think that's next week. Um, camp has made time irrelevant. <laughs> uh, so July 17th through the 20th, We'll be going to my hometown. They were hit by a massive flood uh, about this time last year. Houses were knocked off their foundation. Obviously, it's in Tennessee. They are landlocked. <laughs> but something happened on upriver, um, and when the dam broke, it caused a massive tidal wave uh, throughout the tiny creek that runs through the center of the city. Uh, and that tiny creek turned into a raging river that washed houses off their foundation just destroyed a good bit of the city. And so they're still rebuilding for the last year. Since it hit, um, the congregation there has been uh, feeding three meals every day in the kitchen. They'll, they'll feed everybody that comes in three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, every day for the last year. Um, right now they're in the phase where they're building furniture, putting together furniture, like TV stands and things like that. Um, and they'll take them to people's houses. They're delivering mattresses stoves and things like that. So we'll have those opportunities to do that. Um, the flood caused uh, things that you don't even think about. Floods cause it, but it, it, it washed up so much sand and rocks and debris um, that they can't move that stuff out of their yard because how are you going to move sand out of grass? Um, it's difficult. And so they can't even mow their yard. So we're bringing weed eaters uh, to, to, do, to help with that. Um, if you want to come help cook, I know the ladies in the kitchen would more than welcome that opportunity for, for a small break. Uh, we'll be staying in the church building there. They've got a, a sectioned off part of, their, of the building there uh, where the guys can sleep uh, there and the girls can sleep over there. And, um, everything goes, goes well with that. We may have some opportunities to follow up with evangelism here. We can go to around these neighborhoods that 
um, the flood hit that uh, this congregation has helped and say, hey, we're the ones who delivered the mattress and uh, the stove to you guys. Would you be interested in sitting down and talking about the Bible? That has some validity now, doesn't it? Where they wouldn't want to have heard, now they're, they're thinking, yeah, you helped me. I, I'm okay sitting down and listening for a minute or two. And so you have uh, an open door there. And that's all we're looking for. We're looking for open doors. If my face, my accent, or whatever, the way I sit, the clothes I wear gets me in that open door, then that's an open door we need to use. Uh, if helping people with uh, home furnishings gets us in that open door, then that's a door we will happily walk through to get, um, to, get to their souls. Also, we're going to Juan Cayo, Peru next year, June 13th through the 22nd. Uh, write down those dates. If you want to go, I would love to talk to you. Uh, sorry, the PowerPoint kind of malfunctioned this morning. Uh, I hope that you got uh, an impression of how much I think you need to buy into short-term missions. Um, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus talks about evangelism and how important it is and how we need to go. You, you evangelize as you live your life. And this is just one more facet, one more opportunity to do that. Um, please think about going. I think it'll be uh, the trip of your life in Peru. Uh, I talked to the missionary right before we left for camp. His name is Daniel Doshwell. He was here a couple of weeks, uh, it's a couple of months ago now. He was the associate minister for the Flatwoods congregation in Ashland. Um, fantastic guy. He's a, he's a former nurse, um, just a really well-organized, spiritual, thoughtful man. Uh, his family now live in Huancayo, Peru. It's a city of 400,000 people without a single church of Christ in the area. That phenomenal. 400,000 people without a single church of Christ. So things are going to change there over the next 10 years or so, um, hopefully as, as they work with these people. It's 14,000 feet up into the Andes Mountains. And so this is a, um, a climate unlike many that we're aware of today, uh, at least that I'm aware of. Um, that I've ever been to. But what we're going to, the plan right now is what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go teach lessons. You're going to get to teach a lesson, gentlemen, about uh, the family or about some current uh, topic that they're struggling with, um, the role of a dad in a family, how families play, uh, play out uh, in God's vision, um, those kinds of things that they're interested in, that, uh, that they'll come listen to, and then we throw the gospel truth in there as well, of course. And so that's what we do. We do a, a seminar-type thing in the mornings. Uh, with that, while that's going on, some of our other folks are going to be doing VBS uh, with, with the kids that come. So we've got a lot of opportunities just in that morning session uh, for you to plug in and do something. There's all kinds of work to be done on these kinds of trips. And so if you want to come, please, please, please uh, talk to me, and I would love to tell you more about this trip. So that's the morning. In the afternoon, we're just going to walk around and see if we can set up personal Bible studies. If you've never done that, this is the trip that changes your life. If you've never walked around the neighborhood and said, hey, would you like to study the Bible with me? That's where the bread and butter is for this trip, I think. That's where the power is. Because once you see that happen, once you see it work well, you come back home and you do the exact same thing to your next-door neighbor. You do the exact same thing to your family. This this effort, this evangelistic effort gets into your blood and you begin to love it. Um, unlike how you currently love it. <laughs> if you've never been on one of these trips, that's the power of these short-term mission trips. I, I believe that. I've bought into this 
a long time ago. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in trips that we've led over the last 15 to 20 years. This works. If you want to be more evangelistic, if this is your year where you're thinking next over the next 12 months, I want to become more spiritual, you need to seriously consider going on one of these trips. Um, it does that for you. Being around these people, sacrificing in this way, doing these activities, thinking like this, it does it. Um, so I, I highly encourage you to go on these trips. You will, um, you'll get to see change in people. Change that is possible because you went, right? Um, I'll tell you this quick story, and then, then we'll, we'll be done. Um, when we were in Africa the first time, um, I have a translator because my Swahili is not very good, non-existent. Um, and so we have a translator, and Kelly and I are walking with this translator, and he says, we'll just walk down the side of the, the road here. It's, it's a big city, much like Juan Cayo, big city. Um, and he says, we'll just walk down the sidewalk here, and the first people that we see, we'll ask them for a Bible study, and we'll see what happens. If they say no, we'll go on to the next person. So the first guy um, we meet, uh, our translator says something to him in Swahili, and he looks back at me and he says, Brother, share the gospel with this man. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm 20, 22 years old at this point. It's the first time uh, I've really been asked to do this. Maybe it's the first time you've ever been asked to do this, and you don't have those muscles yet, or you, you need to stretch those muscles a little bit. And so maybe you like me in that first setting with this first guy. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, and I started looking at my Bible, and we started going, and Kelly's feeding me verses in my ear, and I'm talking to the translator, which is difficult in and of itself. And I'm, so I'm not paying a whole lot of attention to what's going on up there. I'm thinking really hard about the text and where I want to go to the next verse and talking to the translator. All of a sudden, we're 30 minutes in, and I look up, and there's 30 guys that have surrounded the original guy. And they're all listening. Not, not necessarily to me, but to the Bible. That's money well spent. And that happened day after day after day. This is the power personal Bible studies. And that's one of the things we're going to get to do on Juan Cayo. And I think you'll see the similar results there. It's not a first world country. It's not really a third world country. Um, but they are poor. Um, and so the gospel will be more readily received here than it, than it was in Scotland, than it is here in America. Um, and so our opportunities will be more vast. And so you'll get the opportunity to sit down with study with someone which is an opportunity we need. We need to flex those muscles. We need to, 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 to train our brains to think like that. And this short-term mission trip will do that for you. I've seen it time and time and time again. And when you come back home, those muscles are still there. And that passion is still there. And that way of thinking is still there. And so what do you do? Well, you go to your next-door neighbor, and you go to your cousin, and you go to your workplace, and you go to your friends, and one by one, God starts changing the world through you. This is the power of short-term mission trips. This is the power of evangelism. This is the power of God. He's capable of doing anything. And so today, maybe he's struck your heart. Maybe something has, has been said or done throughout this worship service that has caused you to think about your soul. And maybe it's in jeopardy this morning. Baptism is the way to alleviate God's anger at us over our sin.
he holds us accountable for our sin, for missing the mark, for not living up to the standard that he set for us. He holds us accountable for that. But he's also giving us a way out of that accountability. He says that only happens through the power of baptism. When, we, when we're immersed for the purpose of the forgiveness of our sins, he washes those sins away. And they're gone like they never happened. He wipes the slate clean. And so maybe that's your need this morning. Maybe you just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God would have you to be. If you have any need today, why don't you come as we stand and sing. So, oh, Savior, now Opportunities where we have uh, open doors sometimes to, to affect people's hearts, and that, uh, that's what's happened this week. Uh, Tyus Jones uh, got to come to camp with us this year again, and um, this year was a good year where we talked a lot about Christian evidences and the plan of salvation and things like that. And so, 
he had a good teacher, and uh, his heart was open, and so he's ready to be baptized today, today and so we're going to honor that. Um, so, so proud of you. So proud. Um, this, is, this is the power of, of the gospel. It, it gets to people and begins to work through and changes people's hearts, and praise God for that. If you would, grab a songbook and we'll sing a couple songs uh, as we prepare for the baptism. 499, O to be like thee. 499. <clears throat> o to be like thee, blessed Redeemer, this is my constant longing and prayer. Gladly I Jesus on earth, and life is to bear. Oh, to be mighty, oh, to be mighty, blessed Redeemer, cure us of our heart. Come in thy sweetness, come in thy fullness, stand by our hands, before my heart. Oh, to be mighty, Now to receive the glory. 
Tis we do trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease, just from Jesus and liberty, life and breath and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust in, how I trust in Will be with me to the end. 
I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life for Calvary, to save the for thee. I heard a crowd in the glory, of the precious blood of glory, then I Thank you. 
morning, church family. Victory in Jesus. That's great. I'm so proud of Titus. Well, great week at camp we had last week. Um, we're all very tired. Um, so hopefully I get my words right and I don't mumble up while I'm up here because I'm so tired. And, and I should before I gotten up here, I should have taken a whiff of my boy's totes. It definitely woken me up. Nothing like uh, opening totes after camp, I'm sure, for those who've had kids go to camp. But um, overall, we had 133 kids at camp this year, um, which is great. Uh, last year, we had 86. So um, we had more than we had last year. Um, a lot of new campers, a lot of young campers that were uh, there for the first time. Um, we had 30 of, as Gary mentioned earlier, or, uh, that we had 30 from Rome. Um, <clears throat> for those who don't or aren't familiar with church camp, yes, we do have a lot of fun. Yes, we do play games. Uh, yes, the kids have concession stand money that um, I think uh, Titus spent his in two days, and uh, Aaron spent another $30 probably on Titus at church camp. But um, it was, um, we do have a lot of fun, but... There's also the Bible classes this year. Uh, this year we talked about God's creation. And um, we sang four times a day. We sang silly songs. We learned some new songs. I'm, I'm proud of our older boys um, who got up there and led silly songs, who, um, who showed leadership um, throughout the week of camp. So that way our younger kids were able to witness um, Christian leadership uh, for the future. So they're developing those kids and being future leaders of our camp. Um, also, we have lads leaders that teach our kids how to sing. Um, also, there's worship every day, and we sing songs then. We have guest speakers come and speak to us. And then there's campfire singing, which is absolutely beautiful and amazing um, to be under God's creation and to be under the stars and um, hearing those kids sing until, until all hours of the night. I mean, it, it's, it's a long night um, for singing. And then, um, and then the kids have a devotional uh, before bedtime that the counselors do. And <clears throat> cabin one um, and cabin... For the boys and uh, G6 is the older girls and those girls and those boys the older ones they do their own devotionals and um, and it's very touching um, it's very personable um, so I'm very proud of them for um, being able to do a devotional but like I said there's a lot of fun stuff it kind of reminds me of Titus chapter 3 it says let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so to help our case in urgent needs, you know, that um, they're learning to do good works. They are definitely learning at camp. Um, as we mentioned earlier that we had four baptisms. Uh, Jenna Picklesheimer was baptized, which was great, by um, her grandfather, Jim Martin. Um, I think it was my first time ever witnessing someone baptize someone in jeans. Um, so I've never seen someone baptize someone in water in jeans. So that was my first time for that. But that was that was great to see uh, Jim could do that. Um, also, Camper of the Week, um, Blake Trevathan and Thomas Trevathan, they were nominated for Camper of the Week, which is a great privilege out of uh, 
out of 133 kids, uh, they were nominated. And Camp Herd a Week, it, it's voted on by the counselors and the staff there at camp. And it's based off what you see these campers do. How are they Christ-like? How are they setting that example to others and being an example to the younger kids, even to us, being an example to us for us as well? So um, these kids uh, did a great job. Blake and Thomas were nominated. Um, but uh, the Annabelle uh, Baker got Junior Camper of the Week. Um, I can't tell you how cute that was and how sweet. We're so very proud of her, but uh, congratulations to her. She got a little trophy. Um, I mean, she was like she won a beauty pageant or something. I mean, she was like in awe, you know. It was great. Um, and, then, uh, and then we have Scholar, um, Bible Scholar of the Week. And Bible Scholar of the Week uh, consists of someone learning memory work, entire page of memory work. And um, I'll put some of that memory work out there uh, on the table. And I challenge you to learn that Bible material. Do it, try to do it in a week. Try to memorize all those Bible verses in a week and see if you can do it yourself. Um, but they, a, week, a week long of memory work, also an essay, um, have time to write an essay, and also, um, trying to remember the other thing, uh, the, the Bible test that Chris does. And, um, and Thomas Trevathan won Bible Scholar of the Week. He did all that work, and um, so I'm very proud of him for that. But um, that's enough about camp. Um, this week we have a lot going on. Um, as Wednesday, we have an ice cream uh, trip to Austin's at, uh, on Wednesday after church on Wednesday. And also on Friday, we have family game night. Uh, family game night, this is for everybody. We'd love for everybody to come to family game night. Uh, bring your favorite board games. Uh, bring your cards. Bring spades. We're going to play spades, rook, uno. Um, you know, just whatever you want to play, get together. I know we used to do this years ago, but what a great time for us to get together and have some fun together. And that's from 6 to 8 o'clock on Friday. And then also, as Chris mentioned, we're heading to Waverly, Tennessee on uh, Sunday uh, after church Sunday morning. Uh, so um, if you want to do that, uh, please sign up on the bulletin board for that. Uh, there's so many others that are needing our prayers. Uh, please so grab a Rome journal. There's so many people uh, suffering this time with uh, sickness and uh, cancer. And just remember to grab a bulletin on your way out so you keep them in your prayers. But that's all the announcements I have this morning. We will sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. And looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. Thank you. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 611, Take the Name of Jesus with You. We'll sing the first two verses, and then uh, Brother Jeff Floyd will have our prayer.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful Lord's Day. We thank you, Lord, that's made even even better because Titus's decision. And also, we pray for Jenna that made the decision to be baptized this week. We pray, Lord, that you'll be with them and with their families. Lord, we thank you for this congregation. We thank you for we thank you for David and Sam and all the things they do with the youth. And we pray, Lord, to, that those works continue and are successful. We thank you, Lord, that all those who went to church camp made it back safely. Be with those who are sick. Be with those who have lost loved ones. Continue to be with us and forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name we pray, and amen.